you know, when people hear the word negotiation, they frequently picture uh, high stakes talks at a boardroom table. And it's frequently not that. It's almost never that, in fact. Welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. For those who don't already know, I work in federal procurement. I get so engrossed in federal procurement policies and business that I forget that procurement exists outside the purview of federal contracting. There exists procurement in provincial and municipal governments. On today's podcast, I want to understand a bit of procurement in our provincial government. To help me with that, please welcome Mark James. Mark James is the Director at Procurement and Strategic Sourcing in the Public Procurement Agency at the Government of Newfoundland and Labrador where he leads procurement in planning and execution, contract negotiation and management, and supply chain management on behalf of the Newfoundland and Labrador public sector. He serves along with the chief procurement officer as the primary advocate for identifying and implementing opportunities for continuous improvement in procurement and contract management practices. His previous experiences include working in the electricity sector at the Department of National Resources, working in trade negotiations at the Department of Tourism, Culture, Industry, and Innovation, working in policy analysis at the Intergovernment Affairs Secretariat. Without further ado, please welcome Mark James. Hi, folks. Can you describe your journey and how you got to your current role? I think, Bruno, you touched on it a bit there in the intro. I I joined government about 12 years ago, where I worked uh, primarily in intergovernmental relations, really negotiating a number of funding agreements for various policy sectors in which the federal government is also active. So that kind of put that negotiation component in place. Because I was used to that, I I had an opportunity to then move to trade negotiations to do some internal trade negotiations to kind of, I guess, update Canada's internal trade rules to be more aligned with, you know, the sort of treatment that we were extending to to other nations. And, you know, a, a large part of that, as you understand, was procurement rules, which I have to admit that when I was serving in that role, I thought were tedious and boring. I had a wonderful colleague, Patricia Hearn, (laughs) uh, help us through all that. I then moved to to electricity for a while, as you noted, and uh, an opportunity came up at PPA. And then I think because, you know, I had a negotiation component, I was kind of familiar with procurement rules anyway, and that I was used to dealing with some, you know, complex interdepartmental and stakeholder sorts of issues. It it became a natural fit. And I I have to admit that my exposure to some of my colleagues prior to coming here was was a big motivation to, uh, to join PPA because I was looking forward to working with them. Uh, more closely, right? So that is how I how I wound up here, and I, I guess it's the the wonderful thing about working for for government, at least in the provincial context. Certainly, that you know you you can kind of change what you're doing in your career, and yet have the same email address <laughs> the whole time. So uh, that that was uh, that's another important part of the journey too. So I guess that's more what attracted me to work in government primarily. I see. Why is the work you do with the strategic sourcing division so important? 
the thing I find most satisfying this, about this, and I think is what makes it most important, is that through doing better procurement and being more thoughtful mm -hmm. uh, about how we go through our procurement processes, there is an ability to provide better public service outcomes and better value for taxpayers. And it comes without necessarily having to do significant investment in any sort of IT solution or other sorts of capacity, or without doing any sort of like program cuts or curtailment right so all we need to do is just think about what we're doing so mm -hmm. uh, i think that that's why it's why it's so important it really enables value for for both our internal stakeholders and the public generally what are some misconceptions about the work you do i don't know if it's necessarily a misconception but i think people don't really engage procurement staff early enough Mm -hmm. And I think the misconception, if I if I could articulate it, would be the fact that they don't realize that having early engagement by procurement staff can really help shape an outcome. I think that procurement has existed for a long time as a strictly administrative role, but as we procure more complex solutions that are more embedded in public service delivery, there is a greater need to bring procurement officials to the table earlier. And I, and I think that's a theme across government, you know, like start talking to the people you need to talk to as early as you can, right? Mm -hmm. But but I think that that's the misconception. Procurement is getting, is getting more complex. The things that we are buying are more complex. Mm -hmm. And that requires additional procurement knowledge we brought to the table, right? So it's not just, it's not just the, you know, the pencils and pens anymore, right? So. I definitely see parallels from what you spoke of to the work I do in federal procurement as well. Yeah. I, I, I think some things are the same everywhere. Yeah, and this is why it's good to have these conversations. <laughs> Absolutely. What challenges have you faced in public sector procurement? I think this kind of ties into the misconceptions as well, that I, I think one of the greatest challenges is the perception that public sector procurement rules undermine flexibility or prevent common sense approaches to, to purchasing decisions. I, I think that that's simply not true. I, I try to remind my colleagues regularly that we're not constrained by public sector procurement rules. I mean, the things that are imposed through trade agreements and through our own legislation substantially are really good ideas on how to conduct fair and transparent procurement that enable us to achieve good purchasing and public policy outcomes. How do you overcome these challenges? Uh, primarily by talking to people. And I think that that is something that has been ingrained in me since I, I started in government. Mm -hmm. And something that has become obvious to me is that, and I think this is true for all aspects of our life, when people understand things, they're far less apprehensive about it. That is something that I found has been very useful here is to ensure that there are forums for discussions and ensure that people know who to reach out to and having types of conversations like we're having today, you know, it's, it's, it's the way we overcome a lot of challenges by ensuring that there is, uh, you know, good dissemination of information and a good dialogue. So. Absolutely. What's interesting procurement initiatives is the government of Newfoundland and Labrador engaged in? So I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is interesting to everybody, but when uh, we have now at PPA, um, 
a number of new staff, including our new uh, chief procurement officer. I'm calling her new. She's been here over 30 years, as, <laughs> as have I, but it all still feels new. I guess that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that we notice is that there's a lot of folks doing typical contract A procurements mm-hmm. where the process was very rigid and there was no ability to rectify responses that had errors. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of sitting there looking at bids come in that were fine, other than the fact that, oh, you know, you had to sign in these three different places, but they only signed in two of the different places. And we'd all of a sudden pass what was otherwise a perfectly good bid. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of caused us to dig into that. I guess are perhaps maybe not all that modern to, uh, to, to some public sector entities in Canada, but I think that there are still a lot of provincial governments and municipalities that still use, you know, your traditional tender mm-hmm. that is very, very inflexible. Anyway, so we, we, we dug into what are the alternatives to this and that led to us really more fully leveraging uh, options for negotiated RFPs that really allow us to facilitate the greatest degree of competition and and not constantly be dealing with uh, with compliance issues, right? So, I mean, more so I think than any of the specific procurements, it's it's that transition to me that has been uh, that has been most interesting, and it's still something that's that's in process. It's something that I I, I hope to roll out more fully, but yeah, really trying to leverage modern procurement instruments and stop using, you know, the traditional contract A tender in places that is really not suited to it. Yeah. I got your contact from your speaking engagement that you were supposed to take part in on procurement modernization. So I think this is just one of the ways that you're involved in such great initiative is modernizing procurement. What is one thing you enjoy about your work? I think the most satisfying and enjoyable thing about working in procurement is that colleagues in various departments come to you with an issue saying, look, I have to do this, I don't know how to do it, or we have had this challenge in the past, can you help me fix it? And almost invariably, we can. And it is different than working on some of the other larger and I guess more intractable public policy problems, right? So like, you know, having spent, you know, a number of years on those sorts of things, like particularly in electricity, it's a very interesting policy area. And I, I will likely find myself doing something like that again in my career. But I really do find it satisfying that when people come to you with problems, we're flexible enough in the procurement processes that we're able to able to address that, right? And uh, it's really satisfying. It's like, you know, you get a lot of customer satisfaction, (laughs) I guess, uh, as as a procurement official when you're when you're doing things right. I find that very motivating. Yeah, I like to see my role in procurement as not a gatekeeper, but a facilitator. So when clients come to me, it's like, yes, I will do everything in my power to make sure you get what you need but you know following policies and that yeah yeah and the, the people are, are really quite happy i mean bureaucrats are rule followers by nature i think right so everyone wants to do things correctly and it's always i think satisfying to the client as well for lack of a better word when you know you, you deliver up exactly what they're looking for and in a way that was not painful or didn't result in any sorts of constraints on their decision making or what they wanted to do right and mm-hmm. I, I always remind people that we have no constraints in procurement mm-hmm. you have thresholds above which you need to do open calls 
<laughs> and you need to tell people how they're going to be evaluated and you need to evaluate them in that manner. <laughs> and that is essentially the only procurement rules that exist, <laughs> right? Uh, if we had to really boil it down. And uh, I think when people understand that, it, it makes it easier. Like a lot of the other things that we have to do is it's just good common sense stuff that we should do in the normal course of procurement anyway, because it results in a better outcome for us. Yes, it also helps suppliers participate, but it's good for us too, so. How can listeners find out more information? On any of this and our experiences, uh, the other thing about working in government, I have publicly available contact information. So by all means, reach out. And I would be quite happy to have this conversation with anybody about you know how we have gone about uh, a transition away from contract A solicitations and gone to more uh, negotiated outcomes. I think that this dialogue among procurement officials is invaluable, yeah. right? So by all means, look me up. <laughs> Any call to actions to listeners? Uh, I, I think it's a really, a really simple one. And uh, it's something that kind of dawned on me when I showed up here is that I think frequently when people conceive of modernizing procurement, you know, they're picturing your online bidding tools and all of the analytics and all of the fancy stuff that you can buy. And that is absolutely an important part of, of the future of procurement. What needs to be realized, though, is that frequently there are many public sector entities across Canada that can dramatically modernize procurement without having to rely on these, these complex and expensive technical solutions. And it really comes from, you know, getting a better understanding of negotiated solicitations, understanding where using contract A is appropriate in those few places and then getting away from that in other places and you know understanding how engagement within your own institution helps people understand things right so i think that that would be my primary takeaway or call to action is that you can really modernize a lot of things with a few hours of legal advice a few new templates and spreading information in your own institution right so definitely i think that speaks to uh, your earlier comment about being thoughtful and that leading to better outcomes. Yeah, yeah, I, and, and it really does uh, seem to be working, I have to say. Quickly, uh, can you just briefly explain what contract A means for those who may not understand? Right, so there is, I guess, a legal framework that attaches to certain public sector procurement that I refer to in shorthand as contract A and what it essentially entails. And this is not legal advice and I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but when we go to market and solicit uh, bids that are irrevocable, sometimes for which, you know, bid securities are attached by virtue of the fact that we issued that solicitation and received a response thereto, a contract is formed. <laughs> and both parties are likely would be found to need to perform as outlined in that solicitation and the response thereto. So it is a binding process as opposed to non-contract A solicitations where no agreement exists by virtue of the fact that a solicitation has been issued and a response has received. Those responses are evaluated 
and are not captured in any sort of contract until it is executed between the procuring entity and the selected bidder. There are perhaps folks that may be able to elaborate on that, but you know, really one is, you know, the contract A solicitation is you have a contract from the outset mm -hmm. and it is and it is binding and it's inflexible. And if you don't get it right, you can't fix it <laughs> from the from the supplier's perspective. You get yeah. away from that and you also then get the ability to rectify bids that have minor mistakes in them and things like mm -hmm. that. Right. So yeah. There are a lot of folks out there, I think, that probably Bruno don't even know yet that there's another way of doing it outside of the traditional tenders, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And or they hear of a negotiated RFP format. And this is, I think, another thing that's been driven home to me in the course of, of my career thus far is that, you know, when people hear the word negotiation, they mm -hmm. frequently picture high stakes talks at a boardroom <laughs> table. And it's frequently not that. It's almost never that, in fact. Like a lot of it could be emails back and forth around how you're going to operationalize some aspect of a contract or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a bit of back and forth on some clauses in a, in a contract, right? So it's it's a call I, I, I get frequently that, oh, well, you know, we don't have any experienced negotiators here. It's just like, yeah, but you, you understand how to talk about things that you want, right? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all you're doing in a lot of these situations, right? So... And I mean, that's true for every mode of negotiation that I've been involved in is that the, all of it or the vast majority of it is just sorting out details. Yeah. And that is really pretty much what it means is an ability to sort out details. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> um, well, that does it for the questions I've had. To end off, I will leave with the quote of the day, which is from the... 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, who once said, let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. And this ties in greatly with uh, your great tidbit about uh, negotiation and how, yeah, it's, uh, it's... Absolutely. Good advice for procurement officials as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Mark James, for taking the time. This has been uh, quite an exceptional... Uh, talk that I've had with you and uh, definitely um, I'll be excited to share this uh, with my fellow colleagues as well. Excellent. Thank you, Bruno. It's nice to meet you such as we have and uh, stay well and hopefully we'll meet again. Yeah, you too. All the best. Okay. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.